game is never over till the end. Deshaun Lowe's right side. Whenever that clock strikes zero. Caught DeAndre Hopkins. Touchdown, Houston. It's Texans All Access. Texans All Access presented by Daikin, keeping Houstonians comfortable with the latest cooling and heating products designed to save energy and improve indoor air quality inside your home. Check out their outstanding limited warranties and financing options at your local dealer and learn more at DaikinLovesHouston.com. D-A-I-K-I-N LovesHouston.com. Daikin. Here's the show. Welcome in, everybody, to a Monday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I am your host, John Harris, football analyst and silent reporter, and so glad to be with you on this Monday evening, a couple days before a very wonderful Christmas holiday, and hopefully you all will celebrate, and whether it's Christmas or Hanukkah or Kwanzaa or whatever the holiday you celebrate, have a great one. And we'll all be thinking of you, and you guys will be thinking of us, and we'll see you on Sunday at 325. 325 Fan Appreciation Day, all kinds of things that you'll have the opportunity of winning and earning. And fans are going home with – they're just going to go home with stuff. And hopefully you'll go home with a W against the Titans as well. So 325, the game has been flexed the afternoon. There are eight games at noon. There are seven games at 325. And then a Sunday night game that will include the Niners and the 49ers for all of the NFC kits and caboodles, if you will. Uh, that's going to be a big one on Sunday night. But that's for the NFC. That's for them to figure out. The Texans play the Titans on Sunday at 325. So a little extra time to sleep in, a little bit more time to play out in the parking lot with the tailgates, and you got to get your tailgates in, baby. It's a perfect time to do it. So, we got man, we got a lot this week. You've got the Academy Sports Outdoors Texas Bowl you got Pokes v. Aggies. you got Oklahoma State versus Texas A&M. That's Friday at uh, 5.45, I believe. And then you've got game Sunday, 3.25 kick. So just so you know, I know your ticket is going to say noon, but that game has been flexed to 3.25. So we got to make sure we're on the same page on that. You don't come rolling. Although, if you want to come in at noon, I guess, I guess you can. They don't open the doors, do they? So, yeah, you'll probably have to wait a little bit. But it's give you more time. Sleep in the morning, tailgate in the afternoon, and see the Texans win game number 11. All right, let's dive into this show. We're going to have Brian Anger. Bangers is going to join us a little uh, little while later. Drew Doherty caught up with him for a Drew's Dirty Dozen. Plus, the general John McClain is going to join us later in the show as well. Let's kick off the show, as we always do, with some hot reads. Hot reads brought to you by Geico. 15 minutes can save you 15% or more on motorcycle and or car insurance. And the high read I'd like to give you on Monday is just a little dance around the league. What happened yesterday? What a wild, wild weekend it was in the NFL. And it started, obviously, on Saturday. The first game out of the shoot was our game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Texans win 23-20. You know all that. But also on Saturday, the New England Patriots Locked up the AFC East in a game that went down to the final gun. Patriots down 17-13 going into the fourth quarter, but 11 big points. Nick Folk, 20-yard field goal. Rex Burkhead, one-yard run. And then a two-point conversion from Braden Edelman gave the Patriots a 24-17 lead. Brady threw for 271 and a touchdown touchdown. 
Sony Michelle ran for 96, and the Patriots ran for 143. Now, the one thing that you can really do against the Bills, I guess, is run the football. The Patriots did that. They also racked up 414 total yards as the Patriots get a 24-17 win. The Patriots lock up. Lock up the AFC East. Will it be enough to lock up a bye? Well, they've got to beat the Dolphins this week. I believe that's who's on the schedule. They do that, then they lock up the bye, the number two seed, and then the Chiefs would be the three or the four. The Texans would be the three or the four at that point. But the Patriots win the AFC East. The Bills locked up the five seed. Can't do any worse with some of the other things that went on. And a massive game took place in Santa Clara. The 49ers beat the Rams 34 31. A big blown coverage by the Rams late in this game. Late in this game. Allowed Jimmy Garoppolo to find Emmanuel Sanders for 46 big yards. 46 to the 248 he threw against. Garoppolo was sacked six times. And he did throw two interceptions, but he did have a touchdown as well. As the Niners followed the lead of Emmanuel Sanders all the way down the field, kicked a field goal. On the last play of the game, Robbie Gold from 33. It's good. 34-31. Rams hung in there for as long as they could. Jared Goff threw for 323 and two touchdowns. Tyler Higby and Robert Woods both went over 100 yards receiving, but it wasn't enough. The Rams will be home for the holidays, or the rest of the holidays, I guess, or for the playoffs for that matter. The 49ers, that win, are now tied at 12-3. and with the New Orleans Saints, potentially with the Packers, and three teams tied at 12-3. and three. And they're still not locked up in the first place, the second place, third place. Nothing is settled in the NFC. Nothing. In fact, the 49ers could lose Sunday night to the Seahawks and finish as the sixth seed. They could win and finish as the number one seed. I mean, it's the range of what can happen over in the NFC is just amazing. But the 49ers beat the Rams 34-31 to give them that opportunity to rise or fall this following Sunday with the game that's flexed to the evening, the Seahawks and the Niners, which will take place in CenturyLink in Seattle. Speaking of Seattle, they took one on the chin. The good teams this year, if you think about teams that have double-digit wins, you can go down the list of each team and find a loss where you go, what? The Texans had the Buccaneers. I'm uh, the, sorry, the Broncos. The 49ers had one to the Falcons. The Saints had one to the Falcons. And the Seahawks had one yesterday. The Seahawks lose by two touchdowns. Two touchdowns. To the Arizona Cardinals. Kenyon Drake went crazy at an 80-yard touchdown run. That was about half of the 166 he gained on the ground. He had two rushing touchdowns. Larry Fitzgerald, four catches and a touchdown. Kyler Murray went out of this game with a hamstring issue. Does sound like he's going to be able to play this weekend. But Brett Hundley came in, kind of guided the ship a little bit or just enough. And the Cardinals going to Seattle to get a win. The star in the day, though, Chandler Jones. He had four sacks. How impressive were his sacks? He was the third leading rusher on the Cardinals based on sack yardage. 
He had four sacks for 36 yards. Kyler Murray ran for 40. He had 36 and lost yards. Chandler Jones was a dude. Now he's on the verge of potentially racking up 20 for the season. Good on him, but what a huge win for the Arizona Cardinals. The Chiefs played on Sunday night against the Bears. It was Mahomes v. Trubisky. This is what everybody had been wanting to see. Two quarterbacks from the class of 27. And it went ugly. It was U-G-L-Y and you ain't got no alibi. As in Trubisky. 18 of 34, 157. Sacked three times. No touchdowns, no interceptions, no impact. 65.4 rating. Patrick Mahomes, on the other hand, 23 of 33 for 251. Threw two touchdowns, sacked only once, and had a 112 rating. Plus, Patrick Mahomes also had a 12-yard touchdown run. Complete domination by one of the hotter teams in the league, the Kansas City Chiefs. They move to 11-4, and and all it'll take for them is to win this week and a Patriots loss, and the Chiefs will have the bye. A Chiefs win, along with a Patriots win, the Chiefs become the three, the Patriots are the two, and the Texans would then be the four seed. A Chiefs loss and a Texans win, and the Texans move to the three, and Kansas City would fall to the four, Kansas City would play Buffalo, and the Texans at the three would then play a gaggle of teams. There are three teams that are still alive, Pittsburgh, Tennessee, or Oakland. Oakland's got they, – they're the team that's got the most to do. And speaking of Oakland, the reason the Raiders are still alive is because they went to L.A., one of the Raiders' former homes, and took on the L.A. Chargers, and it was a Raider fest. Phillip Rivers had to go to a silent count, couldn't hear in the huddle. In a home game. Well, it's been like that for a while for the Chargers. They're going to a new stadium next year. Will they go into that game with a new quarterback? It remains to be seen. Phil, not a terrible day. 279, 279 yards on 27 of 39. But the Chargers couldn't run the ball to save their lives. 19 yards. 19 yards. 19 yards on 16 carries. It was quite the opposite for the Raiders. DeAndre Washington ran 85 yards and a touch. De- uh, Derek Carr had a rushing touchdown. Hunter Renfro had a 56-yard catch and run, kind of like he did against us. That put the Raiders in the lead. They never looked back. They win this one 24-17. And the Raiders needed all kinds of things to happen on Sunday, and they did, which included the Colts winning, which included the Titans losing, which included the Steelers losing, and the Browns losing. All those things happen to keep the Raiders alive. Now, this week, the Raiders need more things, but the biggest thing they've got to do is they've got to take care of their own business. And they'll be taking on the Broncos, who moved to 6-9 and nine with a 27-17 win over the Detroit Lions. Phil Lindsay did Phil Lindsay things. 19 carries, 109 yards, and a touch. Drew Locke, not great, but okay. 25-33 for 192 and a touchdown, nearly 100 rating. And Deshaun Hamilton stepped up. Six catches, 65 yards, and a touch. Broncos get a 27-17 win. They score 17 in the second half to run away with that. The Broncos are 6-9. and nine. So the Raiders could finish 8-8 eight and eight with a win. But with the Broncos win, for as crazy as things were, those two teams will finish tied at 7-9 in second place in the West. 
behind the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, that won't matter to the Texans because the Texans will have to play the Chiefs again. And we know that next year the Texans will play the Patriots and the Chiefs. And I believe the Patriots will be at home and the Chiefs at Arrowhead. I believe that's the way it'll go because they all finished in first place. We were scheduled to play the Ravens as the AFC North, play the entire AFC North, and that'll be here. So they'll play Patriots and Ravens here and go to Kansas City. I believe that's the way it's going to go based on finish from uh, this year and those teams all being atop the division, those four division winners. Speaking of division winners, the NFC South division winner was decided long ago. The New Orleans Saints went to Tennessee, and this is a pretty entertaining game. No Derrick Henry. He's resting for Week 17 because, in all honesty, the Titans didn't need to win this one. They had to have next week. They got some help with the Steelers losing, so now the Titans win, and they're in. But they didn't on Sunday because Michael Thomas went off. He broke the single-season reception record of Marvin Harrison. 12 catches for 136 yards and a touchdown. Jared Cook had two touchdowns receiving. Drew Brees threw for 279 and three touchdowns. Alvin Kamara got in the end zone for the first time since week three. I did not stutter since week three. Ryan Tannehill, very good again. 17 and 27 toward 272 and three touchdowns at 133.6 rating. So over the last seven weeks, he's thrown for over 133.6 rating every single week but one. And who is that against? That's right. That Texans defense last week. So Titans still lose. Saints win. Saints move to 12-3. and The 49ers are 12-3. and The Packers win tonight. The Packers will be 12-3. and So a lot still to be settled in the NFC. But we do know that the Saints have won the NFC South. The East, well, we don't know who's going to win the East because there's still one game left to go. And that'll be between the Eagles and the Giants and the Redskins and the Cowboys. I believe that's correct. I could have said that wrong. But the Eagles will take on the Giants. That's right. Eagles, Giants, Cowboys, Redskins. So I got that right. The Eagles win that game. They will win the division. Why? Because their defense came up large. They win 17-9. to That defense was all over Ezekiel Elliott. Held him 47 yards, 3.6 yards per carry. They held Dak Prescott really without doing anything impactful. 265 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions. Dallas Goddard had a touchdown for the Eagles. Miles Sanders is a dude. He had a touchdown run. The Eagles get it done at home. And now they've got to do is go beat the Giants and Danny Dimes, Daniel Jones, to win the NFC East. We all thought all along, eh, the Cowboys will just mess around. They'll go win this thing. That's you know, that's what they'll do. Uh, no. The Eagles now can win it with a win on Sunday or with a Redskins win over the Cowboys. Redskins not beating the Cowboys. I don't think the Giants are either. So the Eagles could wrap up the NFC East with a win after that 17-9 win over the Dallas Cowboys. The Ravens. They locked up the number one seed over in the AFC with a 31-15 win. Lamar Jackson did Lamar things. Threw for 238 yards and three touchdowns and 120.1 rating. He ran for 103 yards 
How many quarterbacks do that? My goodness. Mark Andrews had two receiving touchdowns. Mark Ingram had a receiving touchdown. The Ravens jumped all over the Browns. Statistically, uh, physically, anything you can come up with, the Ravens hammered the Browns. The Ravens, the number one seed, they can rest guys this week. They will not play the following week because they'll have a bye, and then they will await winners of wild card rounds, which could include the Chiefs, the Patriots, the Texans, the Titans, the Steelers, the Raiders, and the Buffalo Bills. Any one of those teams could be going to Baltimore, and that's going to be a tough, tough ball game. So there you go. Those are the important games that went on this weekend in the NFL. We get back. We'll have Brian Anger on the show doing a Drew's Dirty Dozen. We get a chance to meet, well, finally, our punter, Brian Anger, who had a tremendous game against the former team Tampa Bay on Saturday. Bangers is next. Weeks looks it over, puts the head down. Here's the snap on target, and here's the punt. Anger with the reverse spin, and it's going to be a fair catch <laughs> at the four-yard line. Boy, that was awesome. I mean, Brian Anger was just flat-out awesome on Saturday against the Tampa Bay Bucks, his former team, or one of his former teams. He put that ball right there on the floor. And the thing is, the Texans had two guys there ready to down it. So Spencer Schnell, like, do you catch it? Do you let it go? I mean, if you let it bounce, the Texans can kind of protect it from going in the end zone and then not pick it up, not down it, and let more clock run. I don't know if he did the right thing uh, completely, but I don't think he did the wrong thing. That's neither here nor there. The punt was amazing. Brian Anger has been phenomenal. The last two weeks on the road, he has punted exceptionally well when the Texas Texans have needed it. He had three of his five punts inside the 20-yard line. He had the other two picked up a net of 53 yards. They Spencer Schnell ran them back twice. Two punts he ran back for a total of four yards. Anger hit rockets. The cover teams were great. Man, it's been a really good unit. I, I never used to really look forward to fourth down. Move these special teams, man, they've been so good. I'm, I don't mind seeing number nine come out on the field. I love that when Leckler wore number nine, he came on the field. I love when Brian Anger gets on the field. And those two have got something in common. They love to fish. So with that in mind, let's get to know Brian Anger a little bit more with our Drew's Dirty Dozen. Here's Drew Doherty with punter Brian Anger. I'm here with punter Brian Anger. Brian, what's the deal with spearfishing? <laughs> it's fantastic. Yeah? Yep. Get to do a lot back in Tampa. Water is usually pretty warm out there. It's mm-hmm. at a cool down right now, which is good. It brings a ton of fish in closer. And the cooler the water, the less people like to go to. So you kind of have a an open sea. Um, so it's 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 awesome. It looks like a lot of fun, but it's usually something that people who are stranded on a desert island get into. You know, it's not just like a natural, hey, let's go get a line. How did you get into spearfishing? Because you grew up in Camarillo, California. Yeah. You went to Cal. But how do you get into spearfishing, living, living there and then doing what you do now? I've always been a ocean guy. Mm-hmm. Grew up surfing and bodyboarding and everything in the water. So... One of my older brothers and I talked about potentially getting into it. Um, you've got to deal with more stuff out there. They've got great white sharks. It's kind Ooh. of a breeding ground for some of the juveniles. So it's a different kind of murky water and kelp forest and stuff, which would be cool. But like I said before, warm water. I, I got started in Jacksonville. Uh-huh. More warm and more clear water. Don't have to go as far off to get into deep water in mm-hmm. California. 
Jacksonville, you've got to go way far off to, to – we'd go 20 miles and be in, like, 80 feet of water. Right. But you've got tons of fish species, yeah. Okay, so clear things up for me because I was under the impression that you're standing in, like, shin-deep water and you're spearing fish. That's not the case? No, no, we're going – we usually go, like, 40 to 100 feet of Whoa, water. Whoa, okay. So going down deep, yeah. So you're wearing, like, a snorkel and a mask? Wearing a mask, got a full tank. And oh, you're scuba diving and, so and scuba spearfishing. Diving. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, scuba. So you had to go through all the scuba training, and then do you, do you have to train to be a spearfisher, or can you just go out um, and spearfish? You're supposed to have a advanced open water to be able to, that's the, the classification, I guess, of the certification. Mm-hmm. So you've got to have that second. It starts with open water. Yeah. You can go to like 60 feet, and then advanced open water, you can spearfish with a charter. I've got my own boat, so don't quite have to have it, but but I do have that certification. So Nice. How often do you get to go out on, a, on your boat? A couple times a week, potentially. Yeah. yeah, it just depends on the weather. The Gulf will get choppy real quick, and that storm will pick up, and uh, you got to pay attention to what's going on. But a lot of the times, it's it's also very good. And like I said before, it's you get that cold weather. Not many people want to go out, so... Uh-huh. You've got less pressure on the fish, and uh, you you can hit a lot of different spots, and uh, yeah, it's very, very uh, rewarding. Not bad, man. That's not bad. So back to surfing, though. You said you started out as a surfer, started out doing some surfing. Have you done any of that lately? No. You miss it? I miss it. Yeah. yeah. I, I get back to California, and I'll do it maybe once a year when okay. I go back home. The Atlantic and Jacksonville, there weren't many waves. If a hur- like a hurricane or a tropical storm came, the, <laughs> yeah. the wind would pick up. And you blow. got other stuff to do yeah. when, when a hurricane's yeah. coming, right? Yeah, but there's no waves in the Gulf in Tampa, so don't get to enjoy that. Kind of along the lines of fishing, what's an animal that scares you when you're near it? Bull sharks. Bull sharks. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Not good. All right. You're the first player that I've talked to that's actually named an animal that's in the water. I've heard bear, I've heard snake, so bull shark is definitely a good one to have. What are some of your nicknames, Brian? Banger. Mm-hmm. How, who gave you that most one? popular. I had it in high school, okay. and then in college it really caught on. Just a combination of your first initial and your last name? Yeah. yeah. Yep. yeah and not, your booming punts, I'm guessing, right? Yeah, it's very fitting, I guess. Uh-huh. Um, bangy was one <laughs> of the first ones. Somebody didn't want to say banger, so they said that. I think we had Legatron. Yeah. What was that like when Rich Eisen had you on? Did the punters give you the T-shirt and all that? That that seemed pretty cool. Yeah, that was cool. I had no idea what was going on. I was a football fan, kind of just because I played football. Started junior of high school is when it kind of took off for me, and I got recruited. But I'd never been to a football game before. Never really followed it. I was more of a outdoorsy guy and less sporty, I guess. So I didn't know what the heck was going on. Warren Moon was there. Oh, okay. And my brother came with me, and they're talking about Hall of Fame stuff. And my brother's just like, "Are you kidding me? You didn't realize that you were with this guy?" And I had I had no idea. So, yeah, it was it was crazy. He was a big deal around here. Yeah, and I grew up. I'm I'm old, much older than you, but he was awesome. Like he was on some of these teams that. Anyways, I will veer off another path there. Okay, let's rank the Bryans, and I know they don't all start. They don't all have a Y in them, but yeah, Brian Anger. Brian Cranston, the Breaking Bad actor. He's actually been in a bunch of good stuff. Brian College Station, the town. Brian Adams, the singer. And Brian Dennehy, the actor who was in Tommy Boy, Cocoon, a bunch of different things. And Rambo, first Rambo. So Anger, Cranston, Brian College Station, the town, Adams, and Dennehy. Who's who's number one? Brian Adams probably has to be the most popular. So Brian Adams, number one. Brian Cranston, just because I'm a huge Breaking Bad fan. Man, isn't he great? Yeah, man. yeah. Have uh, you seen Argo? He's in that too. Argo. I oh, think there was man. there's another one. He's been in a zillion. He was in Drive. Uh, Ryan Gosling and 
There's a there's one more kind of lines of Breaking Bad that was a drug. He was a yeah. Oh, yeah. I saw that. Yeah, movie. And, he's like an informant or something. Yeah. Or yes, very yeah, that good. One was good. That's under. It's an underrated. Yeah, one. yeah. We just watched that. Yeah, that's a good one. Okay, so Adams one, Cranston two. Still got anger. Still got Bryan College Station. Still got Dennehy. I don't even honestly. I don't even know the other two besides myself. So okay, uh, put yourself three. Uh, let's go. Let's go College Station. Okay, number three. You're satisfying the Aggies yeah, there. Yeah. Get them in the middle. What was the fourth? Brian Dennehy. He was Tommy Boy's dad. He was like the sheriff in Rambo. Oh, that's like the original yeah. Rambo movie. Haven't seen it, huh? I haven't. I've seen the Rambo movies. I just couldn't. I couldn't tell you who that is. He's a real jerk in the first Rambo. Let's. Since he's a jerk, we'll put me over him, <laughs> right. um, and we'll put him last. Brian Dennehy yeah. is last. Brian Dennehy goes down. I like it. Okay. <laughs> who is your favorite retired NFL player? Josh Scobie, kicker. Nick Harris, another punter that I worked with, Cal guy. All right. Uh, so we'll just go. Yeah, we'll go with my fellow specialist. Those work. What's the best Christmas gift you ever got? Probably a spear gun. A spear gun? Yeah. Who gave that to you? How old were you? I guess I kind of supported it myself, too. <laughs> so you um, gave it to yourself? Highly encouraged, yeah. Got it back five years ago, I want to say, back when I was in Jacksonville. So you were a grown-up. Yeah, I was a grown-up. And that, that's uh, one of the more rewarding and keeps-on-giving type of presents. There, yeah, yeah, you, yeah you, what, teach a man to fish, he'll eat forever, something like that. Yeah. So it's kind of along those lines. What's your go-to karaoke song? No scrubs, TLC. No scrubs, no, TLC. Not, not That's what I, I told. I keep on telling my wife that I can somehow <laughs> I can uh, sing that song start to finish, and I don't okay. know if I'm proud of that or not. So, do you karaoke ever? Or? Not much. Not no. much. Okay, but no scrubs by TLC. Just in case, we're gonna hold you to that. Okay. What would your career be if you were not a football player? Probably biology, marine biology. Okay. I was a integrative biology major at Cal. Fancy name for, there's two branches, one's cell and molecular biology, uh-huh. no fun. The other side was ecology, so uh, oh, okay. study of animals and stuff. So That's awesome. Yeah, would be into that. When's the last time you cooked something? Yesterday. What'd you cook? Taquitos. Taquitos. Yeah. You're doing well. You are along with DeAndre Carter. You are along with Duke Johnson, a player who has recently cooked something that I've interviewed <laughs> on this interview. You are not like Taiwan Jones, who said the last time he cooked something was three years ago on Mother's Day for uh, for his mom. So we cook a lot. Yeah, that's we'll cook probably four times a week. Burgers or pizza? Burgers. What's on the perfect burger? What's what? Is, how does Brian Anger make his perfect burger? Just a classic with avocado and bacon. So avocado, yeah. bacon, and, and avocado, bacon, lettuce. I'm not a big tomato guy. Nothing wrong with yeah, that. Yeah, no tomato or onion. Ketchup, mustard, obviously, and cheese. Yeah, cheddar cheese. Cheddar cheese. Brian Anger, this has been a Drew's Dozen. Thank you so much for the time, my friend. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. That was really fun, and it makes me a little bit envious that we haven't gotten Brian Anger for any time with Mark and I right here in studio, but I'm glad Drew got a chance to catch up with him. And it was funny because on Saturday, the at the end of the game, so this is a little peek behind a curtain, so with about five or six minutes of game time left, maybe a little bit less, Nathan Edwards, who is one of our just great, uh, great dude in PR, and he is always down on the sideline, so he coordinates all of our interviews afterwards. And so he always comes to me after or near the end of the game, and he's like, "Okay, who do you want to who do you want to interview in the locker room?" And so I'm kind of going, "Ah, yeah, I'm kind of like trying to figure it out, like who makes sense, like do I get robe? Well, and I try not to du- duplicate. And I had Bradley after the Patriots game. I'm like. Okay, well, I haven't had Justin since week two, so Justin seems like a good one to use. Okay, we'll keep Justin on there. And he goes, hey, this is kind of a wild card, but what about anger? I thought it was a really good idea considering how Brian had punted the ball in that game 
But there were so many guys that I, I felt like had an opportunity. It was like, yeah, Justin Reed, you know, he's been here for a couple of years. You know, let, let, let me talk to Jay Reed. Let me see if I can get Justin. And he's so loquacious, and you can get, you know, you can go on for forever with Justin. And I said, well, let's do Justin, and then let's, you know, have Brian as, as a backup. I'm pushing for Brian Anger now. He's really good. Very, very good. He's good at punting the football, too. All right, coming up. We will have a little chat with our good friend, the General, John McClain. No, not John McClain from Die Hard, the non-Christmas movie that everybody thinks is a Christmas movie. Our John McClain, you know, Hall of Famer, Sikkim Bears, all the good stuff that goes with the General will join us next right here on Texans All Access. Final play right here. Winston takes the snap with two seconds left. He steps up. He throws to the left sideline. It's dropped. The game is over. The Texans are the AFC South champions again. They knock off Tampa Bay 23-20 to and raise their record to 10-5. and Houston, champions of the AFC South. That was music to all of our ears. Mark Vandermeer saying the Texans were AFC South champs yet again. Fourth time in five years. Sixth time in nine years. And I know all of us want us to do something great with it. We all do. Players, coaches, staff, this whole building, this whole city, Texans fans everywhere want us to do more. Yeah, absolutely. But you can't take that next step without taking the first step. And the first step, win division, did that. Got more to do on Sunday against the Tennessee Titans. And then the journey begins with 12 teams in the playoffs and your Texans are one of them, and they'll be playing at home. Now, we'll see if it's Saturday or Sunday. My guess is Saturday and more than likely Buffalo, but a lot of things happened this weekend we didn't think were going to happen in the NFL, and it changed the landscape of everything. So a bunch of stuff can happen this weekend that can change who, where, when, all that. So we'll let that play out. And to kind of get a gauge on all of that, what happened Saturday, what happened over the weekend, and what the future looks like, eh, the short-term future, it's our good friend, the general, John McClain. So your thoughts on wrapping up the division and what's to come? I think that um, that winning four division titles in five years is a great accomplishment. Now they got to win a playoff game or two, especially the first-round game at home. I'm guessing it's going to be against Buffalo. I think it's interesting. I'm going to write a column for Christmas Day. Instead of uplifting, it's going to be depressing about Houston's history with the potential teams that they could play, meaning Buffalo, Tennessee, or Pittsburgh. they got history with all three. But I think uh, uh, they should be able to win that first-round game. I think they learned a lesson last year when Indianapolis came in here and won. This is the second year in a row. Titans win their last game. They're in the playoffs. Last year they had it at home. They lost to the Colts when Andrew Luck had a great game. Now they've got to win here. If the Texans beat them Sunday, you don't want to play a team three times in four weeks and try to beat them three times in four weeks. I don't know how many times that's been done, if it's ever been done. But the NFL flexing that game, they put all the big games late so they'd all be done at the same time. And uh, what I'm curious, is Kansas City playing an early game? Yes, it's weird. So if the Chiefs win, then Bill O'Brien knows when they play the Titans that they're going to be the fourth seed no matter how the game comes out. I asked him after the game, he said, we're playing that game to win. But if you've got nothing to play for and Watson having what we think is a is a sprained ankle, 
that uh, it might be good to rest him for a week. And then the other thing I'm interested in, if J.J. Watt's going to come back for the playoff game, they'll need to activate him this week so he can have two weeks of practice, uh, even if he's limited, but to have him out there just in practice again and uh, to get him ready for when he does play. All right, John, I want to take a step back. We'll get into a lot of this, but I want to go back to Saturday and just your thoughts about getting a win, getting two road wins within six days against two of the hottest teams in the league. It wasn't a Mona Lisa, to say the least. It was more like a Jackson Pollock, but people do pay a lot of money for Jackson Pollock painting. <laughs> what did you think overall of what the Texans were able to do against the Bucks and getting that win? I thought it was more like a Salvador Dali, by the way. Yeah, but go ahead, thing. John. Yeah. They won both games on the road against teams with four-game winning streaks with quarterbacks who were red hot. And the defense and the special teams have really stepped up. And that's a key. You know, they didn't have a block field goal in 2015. Angelo Blacks has done it in the last two games. Brian Anger's punting has been fabulous. Kymie Fairbairn's punt was good. I mean, they get the Bucks backed up the whole time, and uh, the coverage teams have been great. So Brad Seeley's special teams have really been making an impact. Defense had season-high five turnovers. Offense was terrible. They couldn't run against the league's number one run defense. And in the first half, Bill kept calling Carlos Hyde on first down. He kept getting stuffed. So you put Watson in the worst situation possible, second, third, and long. And they've been turning the ball over too much the last three games and uh they're gonna have to play better on offense and then they need to play as well on defense and special teams and it won't be an issue and but the offense has got to play better because if they're going to play if they're going to beat tennessee and buffalo they got to get a good offensive performance not have a repeat of last year's playoff performance by the offense John, what do you think about things from the Titans' perspective? They've had two huge games at home. They lost both of them. They had their chances against the Saints, but ultimately the Saints were just too overwhelming for them. What do you think about their situation moving forward? They were up 14-0 in that game, and they did it without Derrick Henry, and then they were down by three, and Ryan Tannehill completed a pass to Khalif Raymond to the New Orleans 40. And he got hit in the head. It was clear as day. The announcers never even brought it up. Mike Vrabel complained afterward, and I don't blame him. It was a shot to the kid's head. He fumbled. He stayed down, and Saints didn't score, and it was over. But uh, they know where they stand. You win and you're in, and you lose and you're out. And uh, I'm sure they're hoping that the Chiefs win that early game and Bill decides to rest some of his starters, which would certainly help them. Remember, I think it was in – 2016 when they played the Titans and the Texans could have beaten them and finished 10-6. Bill rested starters and finished 9-7 and gave them a winning record. But, you know, really, if you don't have anything to play for, you should rest some of your players, especially those guys who are beaten up. The Tennessee Titans, will they bring back Ryan Tannehill next year or is it dependent on what he does Sunday and potentially in the playoffs? Or is he definitely coming back to Tennessee next year? He's definitely come back. They're trying to re-sign him. I mean, he's not going to get a long-term deal, but he'll be 32 next year. So if he can get a three-year, he should be happy. And he also should stay there because he's got a system that fits him, a coordinator in Arthur Smith and terminology that fits him. And he's played really well. Like yesterday, he had three touchdowns 
and no interceptions. Their defense blew that game, giving up 38 points. His rating was 130 again. So Tannehill has earned a new contract from the Titans. Derrick Henry's also up. Wouldn't surprise me he doesn't get franchised because the franchise tag for a running back is a lot less than what you're going to pay him. Interesting. John, in Jacksonville, the report is that it could be another tour of duty for Dave Caldwell and Doug Marone, the head coach, now that Tom Coughlin is gone. What are your thoughts on that? you think there's a lot of validity there? I would love to see Doug Marone come back. I like him. I think he's fun to cover. People there like him. Yeah, he's a good guy. He had him in he they lost twenty four to twenty at New England in the AFC championship game. They started the next game three and one, then they've been terrible since. So he had them almost in the Super Bowl. Now they're in last place and and uh so I'd love to see Marone back. I don't know anything about Caldwell other than he's been the general manager the whole time. So I don't know if this means Shad Khan would bring in somebody like Coughlin or if he just let uh Caldwell do it again because he was the one making the final decisions before they had that brilliant idea to bring in Coughlin and and they paid Nick Foles all that money, and what do they do at quarterback? Do they go with Minshew? Do they open it up? They got a, they got not a problem, but they've got decisions they got to make at quarterback. No way. I mean, bring back Minshew, yeah, but don't bring him back to be your starter, but that's just my thoughts. John, let's talk about maybe the most glorious thing that happened on Sunday, and that was <laughs> – a, the Dallas Cowboys losing. B, them having issues with their plan on the way home. John, that, what? No, that, yeah, I, Look, no, I, I feel know. for them with that one. I'm that joking. I'm okay. joking. I'm joking. Uh, but it was kind of funny. Uh, <laughs> the Cowboys, what an absolute mess that they can't even win a division that is just flat-out awful. I'd imagine Jason Garrett is absolutely out, and there's no way that he saves it. Or is there? Is there a way if the Eagles lose and the Cowboys win and get in and win a playoff game, is there any way that Jerry would entertain a thought of bringing Jason Garrett back? All the reports in the media are they'd have to make a long run in the playoffs. That their offense yesterday, and they go up against an Eagles team that had a lot of injuries on both sides of the ball, but especially on offense. And it was a very gallant performance by the Eagles. And I could see the Eagles losing the Giants. Daniel Jones had five touchdown passes, no turnovers, more than 300 yards. I think I saw he's the first rookie to ever do that. So they could beat the Eagles and the Cowboys. Better, It's a better chance of the Eagles losing the Giants than the Cowboys losing the Redskins. Case Keenum, mm. I'm guessing, will be quarterbacking against the Cowboys. So... Uh, they could still get it, but if you back into it like that, I think he's gone. I think if the Cowboy fans shouldn't be too disappointed because they won the division and a playoff game. Maybe Jerry Jones looks for reasons to keep him. Now there's no way he can do it. key is who will want to work there. John, who's the best team in the NFC? Uh, boy, I thought it was Seattle. No way. I'm, I'm going with New Orleans or San Francisco. Right now, I'm thinking New Orleans, although the 49ers are playing really well. But I'm still going with the Saints because I picked the Saints to go to the Super Bowl against New England before the season. I mean, that's what you go with. But the thing about it, and I know people were really upset. And, I mean, I, I was upset. Mark was upset. You were upset, John, about losing to Denver. But you had the Seahawks lose yesterday to the Cardinals. Right. You had the Saints lose uh, to the Not yesterday. Falcons a few Falcons. weeks ago. Oh, yeah. I mean, you, you've had all these teams get knocked off. You had 
Um, the 49ers, who did the 49ers lose to? Uh, the Falcons. Falcons. I mean, all those NFC teams lost to, well, they lost, two, two of them lost to the Falcons. Yeah. You know, in their own buildings. Right. I mean, this league is absolutely crazy. But is every team in the NFL essentially playing for second place behind Baltimore, John? Right now, the Ravens are clearly the best team in the NFL. Lamar Jackson, another tremendous game. 36 touchdowns passing and six interceptions. As John Arbaugh said, and I'm tired of this, not bad for a running back. You know, like Bill Polian mentioned on ESPN, he didn't say he should play running back. He said he'd like to see him try running back, and he turned down that opportunity at the combine because he, he said, I'm a quarterback. But I think we all realize he's a quarterback, he's a great one, and he's going to be the MVP and a good chance of being Super Bowl MVP too. What about Kansas City, though? When you look at teams that are playing well here, I mean, the Texans are winning. I think they realize that there's a level for them to get to performance-wise that they haven't quite achieved yet, and that's what all the players are saying. But what about the Chiefs right now heading into the postseason? Well, the Texans are winning, but they're not playing well in all three phases. The Chiefs are. Their defense is – I don't know what's happened to their defense. I saw somebody analyzing it saying they decided – to move Tyron Matthew around. Well, I can't imagine that moving him around has caused their defense to play so well down the stretch. And they were, they're going into the playoffs when you need to play good defense. But remember, the last time they played, let's see, they played, they got beat at home by Tennessee two years ago in the first round. Mm-hmm. Andy Reid has not been all that good in playoff games at home. Now, last year, they got to the championship game and lost to the Patriots, but they're a hot team, and I don't think anybody wants to play them, especially considering how well Mahomes seems to play in bad weather. I'll give you one of the reasons. They played the Chargers, the Raiders. Now, they did beat the Patriots, uh, but we know that offense is totally flawed. They played the Broncos in a snowstorm, and then they played Mitchell Trubisky, the Fighting Bears. I mean, okay. they've, they've, you know, early on in the year, they faced Lamar. They faced, uh, they, they faced Deshaun. They beat uh, Lamar. They faced Rodgers. Mm. Uh, they then lost to a hot Tannehill team. I mean, you know, sometimes it, it's just kind of like last year with us. You know, a lot of people were like, well, man, well, who are they beating? Who are they beating? I mean, they're beating Josh Allen at quarterback and Dak Prescott and all these quarterbacks. Yeah, there, there's, a, there's a decent part of that, I think, for, for Kansas City. But here's the problem. Once you start getting hot, yep. then you start believing you can do it against Deshaun Watson and Lamar Jackson and all these other And that's all you really need sometimes belief. It's a little bit of belief that you can get it done. I just think somehow, someway, this team, the Houston Texans, have to find that next level yep. uh, when they get into the next month. John, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you guys very much. Merry Christmas. All right. That was a fun discussion with the General John McClain talking about all things NFL, talking about the game on Saturday in Tampa Bay. And I thought the most interesting thing was talking to Coach O'Brien today during his coaches' show, and he said it was kind of a weird vibe Saturday, which is true. It was overcast. There was not this huge crowd in the stands. You're playing the second straight road game. They're out of it, but they're playing all out. It was just a, and then it starts, you know, two plays in with a Roby interception. It was it was just kind of an odd, strange game. Luckily, your Texans were on the good side of it at the end of it. Thankfully. And that meant Sunday you could just watch games happen. Just watch them happen. I don't know that I, I didn't really have a rooting interest. I, I did at night for the Bears. But I had to go pick my wife up in the airport. 
And as I did, I was driving. I was like, I'm listening to a little bit of this game. And Trubisky, I think, went three and out on the first drive. I'm like, I'm done. I turned music on at that point. I'm like, I'm not listening to this. Because that was the only game I had rooting interest in. And I knew Trubisky was not going to help. And he did. So, there you go. Big thanks to John, to Brian Anger, Drew Doherty, and to, of course, Mark Vandermeer. You all have a very, very Merry Christmas and a Happy Holidays. We'll be back tomorrow. We'll have the Best of Fuddruckers show. Mark will have that. I'll also have Texans replay, too. And then we, on Christmas Day, will have Texans all access. I mean, it is a work week and all. So, tune in for that the rest of this week. But you guys be safe, be happy, have a Merry Holidays, and we'll see you soon. And as always, go Texans.